what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our customer service discussion show here on TheMesh.tv. We talk about the world of customer service from a business and organization standpoint, how to provide good customer service to our clients, our uh, coworkers, vendors, anybody we come into contact with, and the importance of that customer service culture to making a really strong organization, uh, one that's moving forward and growing and succeeding. I'm Alan Jackson with The Jackson Group. Uh, You can learn more about The Jackson Group and what we do at thejacksongroup.com. We specialize in employee and customer and patient satisfaction surveys and consulting on some of those uh, survey outcomes. But with me is Ed Gagnon of Customer Service Solutions, my typical co-host here. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How's it going, Alan? Doing fine. Doing fine. Ed is with Customer Service Solutions. You can learn more about what Ed does in the world of customer service at CSSAmerica.com. And uh, Ed, you had a good sports weekend this past weekend. I mean, here we are mid-December. It's in the the throes of the final stretches on the NFL and got a few college uh, final games shaping up. How'd, How'd your weekend go for you? Uh, well, football-wise, it was fantastic. Uh, my dad went to the Navy, and Navy beat Army for about the 12th year in a row, something right. like that. Uh-huh. So that was good. Uh, and then I uh, went to the Panthers game, was fortunate enough to get to go to that, and they beat the Jets. So that was good. Yeah, and then Panthers my, shaping up with a really good year this year right now. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit unexpected and, and a lot bit appreciated. So uh, it's been a good year for the Panthers. And then, of course, and, you're, a, you're a Green Bay Packers fan, too. They won this weekend, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It was the uh, tied for the greatest comeback in Packer history against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Wow. So as a Packer fan, that's about as good as it gets. So, <laughs> that's a nice win right there. Right yes. Now. Well, I'll So finish. I may have to re-listen to this podcast frequently if Green Bay starts losing, so just so I can rekindle these memories. That's right. Just remember how good it was here on this particular day we're recording <laughs> this. Uh, well, while we're on the sports bent, I know that's not what the show's about, but, you know, it's kind of what's on our mind at the moment. Got to put a big shout out out to Lenoreine University, the LR Bears, uh, advancing to the Division II college football championship game this coming uh, Saturday. Very, very exciting, especially being here, our local university in, North, in uh, Hickory, North Carolina. And uh, Ed, I don't know if you know this or not, but basically just about every member of my family went to Lenoreine except for no. me and my brother. I think that about was about that. the only ones that didn't. Mother, father, aunts, uncles, sister, cousins, I mean, you name it. They all wow. went there. My wife wow. went there. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, I kind of consider it my second uh, college uh, after Carolina, and uh, which we had a really big basketball win over the weekend as well against uh, Kentucky. So uh, yeah, good weekend all the way around. Some good vibes going into the holiday season, and that actually brings us a little bit to what we're going to do today during our show. Uh, of course, during the course of the year, we've tried to share with you as much uh, information, education, and ideas about how to improve customer service in your organization, ways to tackle that and prepare your staff and team for being as customer-focused and uh, creating that customer service culture as much as possible. What we're going to do today is kind of kick back a little bit. You know, It's the holiday season. There's a fire going in the background as you're listening to this, maybe. <laughs> maybe you've got your slippers on. You're kind of ready to wind down for the holiday season. What what better time than to do a little storytelling? Let's uh, let's go through some customer service stories. Ed, I think you have a few of those to share with us and some things we can try to learn and pull from those stories. So let's do a little storytelling. What do you say? 
That, that sounds great. And, and the stories we're going to be telling, every one except possibly one is absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> if and, I get to guess which one is not the true one, is that, uh, that the deal? Yeah, that, that, that'd be a nice game. We'll do that. Okay. We'll do true or false. Is this true after each one of these stories? And and these are good customer service stories to just listen to, absorb, uh, have fun with, and, and uh, uh, you know share with others in your organization, too. So the first one is called Give the Patient a Hot Dog. Give the Patient a Hot Dog. Okay. Yes. I'm ready. Alrighty. Well, there, there was this 94-year-old woman who had to go to the emergency department, and uh, nobody could get her to eat anything. It was obviously impairing her health, and the ED staff were – were doing whatever they could to try to get her to eat. They were asking her why she wouldn't eat, and eventually it came out. She thought that people were poisoning her, and oh, that's wow. why she wouldn't eat. Um, and nobody could convince her otherwise, and it was starting to become a serious concern, obviously, from a health perspective. So a young physician went into her exam room, began talking to her, was pleading with her to eat something, anything. She refused to eat. And then he asked, well, if you were to eat something, uh, what would you be interested in eating? And she said, a hot dog. Mm-hmm. And now it was real late at night at the, the ER, and the hospital cafeteria was closed. So the physician sent one of the staff out to just local fast food place to get a hot dog. The employee returned with the hot dog. The doctor took it into the exam room, and uh, the 94-year-old woman still wouldn't eat it. Yeah. Um, so the doctor uh, asked her, well, why won't you eat it? And she still reiterated that she thought somebody was trying to poison her. So the doctor picked up the hot dog, and he took a bite, mm-hmm. and he ate it. And he handed the hot dog to her, and then she ate the whole thing. Nice. Yeah. So, so what 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 would be a takeaway or a conclusion, a little bit customer service oriented, that you you would have for that particular story, Alan? Well, it sounds like a case of of going that extra mile, doing something a little over and above what maybe is on your job description. I'm sure mm-hmm. this particular physician, when he went through med school and all this, he didn't think eating a hot dog to show a patient that it's not poisonous is not really on the job description. It's not really on your itinerary of things you expect right. to do in a day, but it's what they knew they had to do to get her comfortable and get her knowing that she's safe and everything's okay. That's true. I mean, he knew he had to do that because he cared enough to not just deal with the surface issue of she's not eating, but he was trying to identify the underlying issue. He's trying to understand her uniquely, her personally, and he was also trying to gain trust. So that's what that first lesson is all about. You know, try to understand what's unique about the situation with that customer, kind of the why behind the what, gain trust with them, uh, and maybe it can help you through some of those rough spots with your customers. Well, that's good. That's good. Trust is a good, good, good point you brought up there. I didn't think about that initially, but yeah, it's, you know, if she sees that, you know, he's willing to do something and to build her trust and it gives her more trust in the entire process, not just the food, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it goes, it, I'm sure it goes much deeper than that. It's trust in the whole experience that this patient's going through. Yeah, and probably just like you were saying, a little bit of the fact that he was willing to go above and beyond helped to engender a lot of that trust too. Although you know, Ed, I love hot dogs, so the idea of <laughs> eating, eating a hot dog as part of my job actually that's that's not over and above for me. That's like uh, something I would relish on a daily basis. Yeah. So, no uh, pun intended. That you yeah, relish. it's a relish. Ah, very nice. I'm, I I I surprise myself sometimes. So, okay, so the first one, give the patient a hot dog. Great example tr- of building trust and kind of going above and beyond the call of duty. Yes, was that the true story or the potentially uh, uh, made up story? Alan? I'm going to say that one's probably true. I could see that. Yeah happening very easily yes that that's definitely true one of our clients that happened at one of our client sites very so nice. okay great. you ready 
Ready for the second story? Bring it on. It's called Password. Okay. All right. A new employee had just received his computer, and he called the help desk uh, for supporting getting logged into the computer. So the IT help desk employee told him to put in a new password. Uh, there was a long pause, and the IT rep asked him, well, why, why is it taking so long for you to enter in a new password? And the man replied, well, I did just what you said. You said to put in seven characters in a capital, and it took me a while to type in sneezy, sleepy, dopey, doc, happy, bashful, grumpy, and Nashville. Uh, seven <laughs> characters oh with a capital. <laughs> wow. So so what's your takeaway here, Alan? Uh, the takeaway is – Or maybe not true question first. Uh, oh, you want me to tell you if I think it's true or not true? Sure, why not? I'm going to say this one's not true. Yeah, th- this is the one I'm not certain is true. Not certain. All it's kind of a – Not certain. Maybe it's more of like an urban legend. Yes, it Could yes. be true out there, but we don't really know for sure. Well, but I mean it does bring up a really good point is that there's so many times we take things for granted that people mm-hmm. are going to understand instructions or the words we say. And I know I'm guilty of this. You get in the habit of saying certain things a certain way all the time. And you just assume everybody around you is, is in your same line of thinking. And uh, that, that can really trip you up from a customer service standpoint. So the idea of saying seven characters, I mean, those of us who type in passwords all the time, we get it. Somebody mm-hmm. who may not be as used to it, that could mean a whole different thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's exactly the way I looked at this, too. I mean, what, what is clear to us, people who are used to our processes, our terminology, our acronyms might be clear as mud to the customer that we're communicating to. So we have to communicate as simply as possible, as specifically as possible, especially if you're trying to, to get the customer to do something. You're trying to set expectations about what's going to happen next or when it's going to happen. The more simple we can be. The more specific we can be, the more effective that we'll be in communicating expectations to customers. Although I do have to say, uh, you know, as far as like a really, really secure password, yes. let's say typing out all seven characters <laughs> of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and the word Nashville, uh, I don't think you can get much more secure than that as a password. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that actually is a pretty good one. So you set aside yeah, like a- two or three minutes every day to just type in your password. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, nice. our third, yeah, our third story is a personal story. This is one from my wife and I from years ago, and it's called "Find and Keep Your Alvin." Okay. All right, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Find and keep uh, your Alvin. Your Alvin. Okay. okay. All right. So his name is Alvin. Okay. Uh, he's about five foot nine inches tall. He uh, really has no distinguishing physical characteristics. The only thing unique about Alvin is that uh, in his wardrobe, he wore a sweatband on his right arm. So it was really the only thing really unique about his characteristics. He works at a local baby superstore. And when my wife and I had our baby, now this is getting to be 14 years ago, but the story is sticking with me. Um, We had no clue what we were doing when we entered the baby store. I mean, it was overwhelming to walk into one of those stores for the first time. It's like opening up the federal tax code for the first time. (laughs) I mean, it's overwhelming. But on my wife's first visit, uh, before she and I went together, she found Alvin. Now, Alvin is an exceptionally nice guy who just happens to know where everything is in the store. He locates the right car seat and he retrieves it. He recommends the right type of baby drinking cup and he offers to take the larger items to the cashier so you don't have to lug them around the store. You know, Alvin's the kind of guy you look for for help. And when 
you ask another employee a difficult question, they invariably go to Alvin. I mean, there were times when I went to the store with her uh, in subsequent visits where employees were coming up to Alvin and saying, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Alvin, where is this? Or what do I do with this? Or the customer's wow. asking me this. So we loved Alvin, but we also relied on Alvin, and apparently his coworkers relied on him too. And every time we went into that store, we looked for him uh, to to make sure we could get our needs met. Hmm. So what, what's the what's the conclusion, the takeaway from your perspective on that one? Well, a couple things actually. I mean, I think the fact that you guys knew this person's name mm-hmm. at this store, you knew him, you knew who he was, you knew what he's capable of doing and helping you with. That's really impressive. I think that's great for any business to understand that you know a really good customer service representative is going to develop that kind of personality and relationship with your customers, and that's great to have that. It makes me a little nervous in that I hope Alvin's not the only one in this store that everybody remembers, because again, that's when you hang your entire culture on one one employee. It's a little it's a little treacherous. Um, right. I hope that they're trying to re- repackage Alvin into as many other different staff members as possible or taking the lessons they can learn from Alvin and rolling them into others. But overall, it's still it's building a relationship with your customers. It's building that personality with them where they can rely on you and they trust you uh, really says a lot for the organization. Yeah, those are great points. And I really liked your point about how you would hope that it's not their experience is not all about Alvin, where they can kind of view Alvin as the best practice and figure out how can we make everybody an Alvin to, to one of our customers. And the other the other aspect of it is uh, every employee has uh, every excuse me every organization has employees. They want them to be great at customer service. If they're a customer focused organization, they 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 train them and what they need to know. But one piece of it we need to keep in mind is. You know, there are certain people who are just stars. I mean, they are just fantastic at what they do. The customers love them. They're wonderful to their coworkers as well. And companies really need to be intentional about knowing, well, who, who truly are your stars? All employees are valuable, but if there's one or two or three stars that uh, you really realize that, that so much of your success is based on them or, or based on the impact they have on their coworkers in the organization, we really need to identify who those folks are and make sure we're, we're giving them the training or the rewards or the recognition or whatever that helps to retain those, those superstar employees. Because you, you got to remember, those superstar employees can probably, if you really wanted to do the research on it, could probably be directly attributed to a good chunk of your sales in the future because people like you know that you're going to go to the store and hopefully find Alvin or whoever Alvin's counterpart is at other stores to help with the sale. And if Alvin wasn't there or somebody comparable to Alvin was not there, uh, the chances are higher that they, you you may go into a store and stroll the store, but you're not going to end up buying something there. You're going to find somewhere else. So uh, these superstar employees are hitting your bottom line as an organization and you need to recognize that, cultivate that, but then also figure out how to reproduce that with others. Yeah, those are great points. And oftentimes organizations with CEOs, with presidents who might be very product focused or overly marketing focused, or maybe they feel like they know everything. There's a little bit of arrogance in there. They don't value that individual employee and that expertise and those stars as much. But if they really took the time to realize the bottom line value and the additional sales they get from them and the higher retention they get from them, then they would actually be more successful CEOs in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've knocked out three stories here. Let's take a quick little break. Sure. Come back. We'll uh, we'll hit a couple more or so and see how that's going. This was fun, though. Just kind of a little more laid back, just talking some stories and uh, 
I might I might have one, a little embarrassing one to share with you later. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, you're listening to Stepping Up Service with Alan Jackson of the Jackson Group and Ed Gagnon of Customer Service Solutions. We'll be right back. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello and welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.tv. Before we get back into our show, just a reminder, TheMesh.tv, or The Mesh as we call it, is our online network of audio and video programs, all available for free on the internet. Uh, you got a wide variety of programs to listen to, including this one, Stepping Up Service. You've got film reviews, you've got sports talk and discussion shows, you've got music shows, a lot of different uh, variety, a lot of different programs to listen to. They're all free to listen or download to your uh, local media device. You can subscribe to them on Apple iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. A lot of different ways to get in touch with us through our website at themesh.tv. You can contact us, you can ask us questions, maybe request ideas or suggestions for future episodes. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to visit themesh.tv and get a hold of us with any feedback or questions that you may have. And on the mesh.tv website or on iTunes, you can go and search for Stepping Up Service and look at all of the uh, previous episodes we've posted ever since we started this program over the last couple of years here. A lot of great information and a lot of great resources to share. And uh, ones that we recommend if you find a good topic with some good information, take it and forward it to some of your friends or people you work with. Be some good, uh, helpful advice on helping build that customer service mentality and culture in your organization. Now, back to our topic. This month, we are just going through some customer service stories, kind of here wrapping up the end of 2013, having a little storytelling session. Ed had just shared with us uh, three stories, I believe, uh, just before the break different ones that we're kind of gleaming different information and notes from. But, Ed, I'm going to turn it back over to you to uh, give us a couple more. Okay. Well, the, the next story is called The Unlit Cigar. The Unlit Cigar. All of your yes. all of your story titles are sounding like Perry Mason episode <laughs> titles or something. <laughs> well, my wife has been watching a lot of Columbo lately, oh, so Columbo, maybe that's where I'm that's getting it. this title. Maybe I'm that's it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I definitely picked up some sort of procedural crime mystery drama genre going on there. So, all yes, right, The Unlit yes. Cigarette. Yeah, or Unlit Cigar. cigar. Unlit Cigar. My bad. Yes, yes. Well, well, this is a story, again, another true story about a golfer who was making the turn. So anybody who's not a golfer, if you play 18 holes of golf, you play the front nine. And then before you go to the back nine, they call that making the turn, where you're going from number nine to number 10. Oh, Often you stop by the clubhouse, get a drink, a snack, that sort of thing. Okay. So just a little definition there for the non-golfers of the world. Thank so you. We appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so uh, the golfer was making the turn. He went to the clubhouse, got himself a hot dog. Uh, and as he was buying the hot dog, he noticed one of those humidors that have very expensive cigars. And this was a golfer who would occasionally uh, smoke cigars. Uh, so the golfer decided to buy one of those cigars and he wanted to enjoy it midway through the back nine. You know, eat his hot dog early in the back nine, maybe about an hour into the back nine. Um, he, he would smoke the cigar. So he bought one, $6.50. And of course, he asked for a pair of matches or a pack of matches, excuse me. And the following conversation ensued. The employee said, uh, we don't don't carry matches. Hmm. The golfer said, well, how can I light my cigar? 
and the employee said, well, you can borrow my lighter. So the golfer said, great, I'll return it after I complete the, the back nine. And the employee said, no, you, you, you can't have my lighter for the next two hours. You can borrow it to light your cigar now. And the golfer said, well, I don't want to light my cigar now. I, I don't want it until later on in the round. And the employee said, then you can't light your cigar. So the, the golfer said, OK, I'll go ahead and light it now then. And the employee said, you can't. And the golfer said, why not? And he said, because there's no smoking in the clubhouse. Hmm. So what, what's your takeaway? What's your conclusion from that, Alan? Well, it, it's there's a certain thing of being rigid with the rules. And then there's times you've got to be able to be flexible and work with your client, your customer, whoever it may be. I mean, this employee, it sounds like was following the paper driven rules of I'm not going to let him borrow something of mine for an extended period of time. That's my personal property. And we don't have matches. So he's out of luck and he cannot light the cigar inside the clubhouse. So on paper, he's following those rules. Unfortunately, by following those sets of parameters or rules, he's inconveniencing the customer. He's making it difficult for the customer to do what he's wanting to do. This is a customer that's paying a lot of money to come out and be a golfer at this country club, you know, and to not be able to do the one thing he's hoping to do. Doesn't sound like this employee is really working with him in any way to make that happen. Right. And those are excellent points. I mean, the idea that uh, you, you have policies and procedures, uh, but if you wanted to take the big picture look at this, this is a golfer who is spending about 75 or $80 for a round of golf. Who knows what kind of merchandise he would have bought afterwards. He spent $3 on the hot dog, six fifty on the cigar. So easily a minimum of a $100 transaction. Right. If he play this course 10 times a year, that's $1,000 a year for the next 10 years, that's $10,000. And this policy and the fact that they didn't even think to have matches available if they're selling cigars, I mean, this $10,000 lifetime value of this customer uh, might be lost over a pack of matches and how that conversation about the pack of matches was was handled. So very much right. They're not thinking long term, not thinking big picture and those policies and procedures just too rigid in, in cases like this. Well, Ed, what I think is also interesting about that story is that this is an opportunity for the organization or the country club to really look at how much they're empowering their staff to do the extra, go the extra mile on things. Because, you know, it's very possible that this employee knows that, okay, these are the rules and I've been told I've got to stick within these rules all the time, no matter what, where maybe it's an organizational opportunity to say to their employees, hey, listen, if somebody needs X, Y, Z, we're going to go out of our way to give them X, Y, and Z. So it could be down to the individual or it could be the entire organization. It's hard to say, but it's a good opportunity on both levels. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. And, and just the idea that uh, somebody would be wired this way or not have had, like you're saying, the, the organizational management guidance to, to say in situations like this, it's all about the customer. It's not about your lighter. It's, it's not about this particular policy or procedure. It's about what's best for the customer. And, and hopefully what's best for the customer is going to be best for the long term for the organization, too. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Well, you here, got another story for us? Yeah, this is actually the last one I have for you. And uh, since you have that additional story, that'll be great, too. And this one's called A Lost Ticket Can Be a Big Win. Hmm. All right. And this is another true story. Uh, One of our professional sports clients, this is an NBA basketball team, had one of those amazing stories that touches on ticketing in the sports world, customer service, uh, et cetera. There was a radio affiliate of the team, so a radio station that had an agreement with the team uh, that sent an important client to a regular season game. And the client was driving to the game from out of town and about halfway 
uh, to the game, he realized he had forgotten his tickets and it was way too late for him to go back to his house and get his tickets. So the affiliate uh, called uh, the employee of the team. He had been given uh, this particular phone number, excuse me, the client called the, the employee of the team. We'll just call this employee Marie. So the client calls Marie with the basketball team and he's in a panic he said he didn't have time to turn around, so Marie immediately contacted the box office staff, told them about the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the staff was not only able to replace the client's tickets, but they gave him an upgrade, gave him better seats. Uh, and Marie met with the client at his seats uh, during the game just to make sure that the client was okay with the seat. She gave him a few little trinkets, too, a few mm-hmm. little giveaways from the team. And she even offered to introduce the client to some of the ra- those radio announcers from the affiliate during halftime. Uh, wow. The client was yeah the client was able to do that they had a great chat at halftime and they were they they were actually comparing this experience they had to another pro sports team uh in the same state that was horrible so this obviously made a huge uh impression on that particular client and in fact the client was so impressed with the service they got they actually ended up signing a multi-year deal with that radio affiliate as a sponsor of the team Hmm. so the client was happy uh, the, the radio affiliate was thrilled, and then obviously it ended up benefiting the team as well. So, so what are some conclusions you have about that, Alan? Well, the number one takeaway is uh, I think we all ought to make every effort to lose our tickets on the way to sporting <laughs> events to see if we can get very similar service. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, seeing a lot, I'm missing a huge epidemic of people calling now their sports teams <laughs> saying, oh, I lost my tickets. Or I don't know where they are. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, surprised on what they did going over and above. Now, granted, I, I don't know, and I actually, it doesn't really even matter to the story whether or not this is a, a big ticket customer to begin with or not, or if this is just going to be one of his very few times coming to a game. I don't know. But the nice thing is, is that it didn't matter. Uh, they treated him like royalty. A little interesting that, you know, someone who kind of makes their own oversight as a customer got actually a much better outcome for it. Um, but it does give, I guess the overall goal was make sure that person walked away with the most positive experience possible, which obviously sound like they did. And it did result mm-hmm. in better sales for them in the future. So, uh, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you've got to take those opportunities, I guess, is the takeaway. If you're an organization, you've got a chance to make someone's experience top notch and something that they won't forget. You got to grab any opportunity you can to do that and make it happen. Yeah, yeah you definitely do. And, and the way that the pro basketball team viewed this, relationship was yes this is a client that since they live out of town they might just be coming to one game but they also realize there is that relationship that they're nurturing with the radio affiliate and it was one of those opportunities to view this one-time transactional customer as really a conduit to relationship building with the radio affiliate so they had that bigger picture view on things and and along with the points that you made in that additional point uh, another key point is when there's an issue resolve it quickly uh, you know, it, it's it's one thing to, to eventually solve a problem down the road. But if you really want the wow kind of experience, a lot of the wow kind of experiences come from issues that, that whether the customer creates them or the company creates them, where we not only fix the issue, but we fix it quickly. And maybe we even do a little bit of something above and beyond what the customer's expecting. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I mean, that's cool. just the kind of thing that we, we, we talk about these stories all year round on the on the show. We always close out our episodes with a swapping of stories. And whenever we have the positive ones, I mean, I'd say 90% of the time, it's just because an employee or an organization went over and above to give the best experience they could. 
And mm-hmm. uh, those are the things that just they stick with us. They they're the things we tell other people about. It's just it's great to hear when an organization really pulls it off and does the right thing with it. Yeah, and when you say ninety percent of the folks, uh, those stories are about somebody, an organization, or an individual going above and beyond. I, I think the reason why they have such a huge impact on people nowadays is because our expectations from a customer service perspective are so low mm-hmm. that when we not only get the expectations met. But somebody actually does beyond what we asked, beyond what we anticipated. It is a wow. You know, it is a superstar kind of story. Yeah, that's great. Well, Ed, because we have a few extra minutes, uh, I'm actually going to tell you two stories. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Do we have time for two? I can. Yeah, this this will be seven. So people can listen to one every day of the week if they'd like to. That's the way they can break up this podcast. The seven days of customer service. Just one of these stories every day and it just kind of starts your day off on the right note. I've got two stories because I have had two things happen to me recently. One very, very positive and one's probably more embarrassing on me than anybody else, but still I'm going to call it a negative. Let me start with the negative first. So my son, my middle son turned 12 just recently, uh, at oh, the beginning of this month. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's, he's 12. He's kind of at that age where he, he's out of the toy phase a little bit more. He's kind of looking at a little bit more grown up preteen teenager type gifts. So we got him a, a desktop computer. Uh, he's very wow. talented on computers. He's used ours for a number of years. So it's like, okay, well, we're going to make the big jump here. You know, we're going to try to get this thing set up, see how it goes. So I went to one of our local electronic big box stores and, and found a really good, uh, good deal on a computer that I thought would work out really well. Asked all the right questions, you know, to make sure this thing has Wi-Fi that's easy to set up and make sure it's got this installed and that installed, all that good stuff. Got at home, and, and I consider myself, Ed, a pretty literate computer guy. I mean, I, I spent many of my younger years tinkering with computers all the time. So, of course, the idea of me going home and setting this thing up, you know, it's a piece of cake. I go home, get it all unboxed, hooked up, go through, didn't really read the instructions, but didn't really feel like I needed to. All set to go. Everything looks great, works great. Well, we've got a wireless network in our house. So right away, it's like, well, we need to connect to our wireless network so you have the Internet up in your room. And... uh I'm looking on my phone. I'm looking on my own laptop. I've got great signal up in his room. I go to set up his wireless signal, and it's saying the either, either the signal is really, really weak or non-existent. And I cannot figure this out. So I'm just racking my brain thinking, okay, is something wrong with this, this wireless card? Am I going to have to go and reinstall things? Yeah. I'm looking up online for drivers and all this other stuff. Well, I go for about an entire weekend having to deal with this. I've got oh my wired cables hooked up strong around the house just to give them an internet signal for the first few days because he had some friends coming to spend the night, and I wanted them to be able to play on the computer. But I'm about frustrated by this whole process. Well, I'm about ready to box back up the computer, take it back to the store and have them fix it. And uh, my son, as he opens up the instruction booklet, finds a little slip in there and a little thing in a bag. He's like, dad, what's this? And it's a little rod, plastic looking rod inside the instruction booklet with a little taped on slip that says, this is the antenna for your wireless card. You must screw this on before using the computer. Oh, now, I was very relieved to see how quickly and easily this could be resolved. But then I started thinking about it. Here I am. I have cracked open my computer. I did my little startup steps, which are on that little sheet you get when you first open your box. I just didn't dig into the actual depth of the owner's manual to realize that there was actually a little piece of equipment inside there with a important note saying you must screw this in. So, of course, my customer service takeaway on this or my angle is, you know, shouldn't I have been able to see this easier or should this have not been more obvious? So, Ed, what, what do you get from this? What, 
what could have well, been done differently on that end to help me out? Yeah, well, my, my takeaway is if you're going to put all the components of a computer together for a customer, why wouldn't you put in that one component that would actually make it hooked to the Internet, that one dollar item yes. that's probably what it cost them? And, you know, it's one thing to make it uh, simple, self-evident for the customer to do what they need to do. But when you're talking about hardware, which is what a computer is, Take that little piece and screw it in, you know, spend five seconds doing that instead of creating five hours of frustration for customers. I mean, I, I cannot imagine how many phone calls they've gotten on their helpline about putting that in. And they're wasting their own time and money on the back end because they didn't do it right on the front end. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand that. I mean, we're in an age now where we've got these all-in-one PCs and we've got laptops, we've got iPads and other things that just work out of the box. You get them, you turn them on, they work. Here it is, a desktop PC. You know, That's that one step that I guarantee, like you said, a lot of people missed. And it really frustrated me to where I had some very negative, sour thoughts on the manufacturer of the company, the computer, the company that sold it to me. Granted, all in the end, they're not as as they're a little more unfounded than they should have been, than I thought they were going to be. But still, I'm still wondering why was it so difficult not to just have that little thing screwed in the back? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, totally agree. So anyway, that was that was a little frustrating. Again, a little embarrassing for me because. Of course, I played myself up with my 12-year-old that I'm the big computer guru and <laughs> I could get this stuff fixed. And of course, he had to be the one to find the antenna and tell me I had to screw it in. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was a little embarrassing. But let yeah. me let me end, give my second story, which does end, I think, on a very positive note and it does have a very strong personal connection here. So my father, who uh, some of the listeners of this podcast may know, Tony Jackson, does a lot of uh, work. He's founder of our company, uh, works with... Uh, a lot of organizations on developing their leadership team, working with improving some of their leadership skills. Well, he had to go through and have uh, some spinal surgery done uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, it was kind of a, I want to say it's a last minute thing, but it was only planned a few weeks in advance. Uh, he has a lot of problems with his back that was causing him a lot of pain. Doctor said, this is something we really need to get in there to take care of. Uh, so we elected to have it done the day before Thanksgiving, because that way he'd have his six-week recuperation time over the holiday season seemed to be the best time to do it. So my mother and I are both at the hospital. We're in the outpatient surgery area waiting as he goes in for surgery very first thing in the morning, very early. And uh, you know, it's a little nerve-wracking. I mean, anytime somebody goes in for a procedure, even though this one's fairly standard, you're still working with the spine. You know, it's still a very nerve-wracking process to think that, you know, one false move and something could go really, really wrong. So, of course, we were a little a little on edge about it, a little trepidatious about what was going to happen. So we were at our local hospital, a local family hospital we've been to for many, many years here in our area. And what was really impressive is that we got back in the, the prep room where they were kind of going over all the details of the surgery, what was going to happen, what to expect. The people, the, the team, not only the doctor, but the actual team supporting him right away said to us, listen, can I have your cell phone number talking to my mother? So she gave him the cell phone number and they said, we're going to call you every hour throughout the process and let you know how it's going. Now, my first thought when I heard that is, yeah, sure they are. It's like, okay, that sounds like <laughs> something you're going to say to do, but I'm, I've got enough history with places that I don't always trust that. But they took down the cell phone number and they said, you know, we're going to call you. And my mom had been given some little uh, terminal box, almost like a thing you get at a restaurant that lets you know when your table's ready. She was given one of those by the check-in desk to use to kind of communicate with her as well. So she said, well, you know, I've already got this thing. They said, well, that's good, but we'd like to call you as a backup just to make sure you're getting information from us all throughout the morning. They said they would call first time at 8.30 a.m. I mean, it was honestly 8.30, if not 8.29 a.m. And the phone rang while we were in the waiting room. 
just passing along an update. We're getting ready to go into the surgery right now. We're going to call you back at 930. said, great. Thank you for the update. They call back at 930. Here's the update. Here's what's going on. Here's what we're doing next. They did that every single hour. And they said before they got off the phone each time, this is the time we're going to call you back. And they called almost right on the dot that time with an update all the way through the morning. So basically, we got five phone calls during a five-hour block of time updating us on how he was doing with the surgery. Not only was it the peace of mind of being able to get those updates all throughout the day and not having to worry about why isn't somebody calling me, what's going on, but the fact that they actually told us this is the time we're going to call you back, and by gosh, they did. That was amazing. I was really, really impressed with that. Just very, very fortunate. I think that was that's the way you communicate with people, especially when they're going through such a very sensitive and maybe a little emotional uh, time, at, uh, especially in a waiting room like this for a procedure like this. To be able to have that constant information funneled to you and to get it when it's expected to come to you was really impressive. So I just got to really say that was a great process and a great uh, great example there. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful story. I mean, that, that hits on so many things. Some of it is about some of the takeaways are about setting expectations about what's going to happen next, when it's going to happen. You can also talk about the fact that it's not a matter of doing something for the customer, but communicating what you're doing and making sure that that gives you peace of mind. I mean, we often talk about not allowing long periods of delay, even if you're just talking to a customer service rep, because negative thoughts pop into people's minds. Well, think about long periods of, of delay or no communication when your loved one's in surgery for three or four or five hours. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many positive takeaways, and, and the fact that they not only were setting those expectations, but they were delivering on them is wonderful. And I take it the surgery went well for Tony as well. It did. Is that right? It went really okay. well, very smooth. Everything was great. So he's recuperating nicely Good. on that. And I'll tell you too, Ed, just for those people, especially in a healthcare environment or other places where it's a very stressful, maybe more tense situation, um, keeping in mind too that you've got situations where a lot of times people in a waiting room in a, in a, in a hospital environment are on edge and they're nervous about what may be going on with their loved one or what's going on behind the scenes. In a way, them telling us that they were going to call us every hour meant that for that 58 minutes in between those two phone calls, we kind of felt like we could relax a little bit. You know, it's almost like we know we're going to get an update. We don't have to be sitting here watching the phone to see if it's going to ring during the hour or be nervous that we're going to miss an update if we walk to the restroom or if we walk out to the car to get something. We knew when we were going to get our updates. So I actually felt like that in-between time waiting was so much less stressful and so much more we could be comfortable. We did some work, uh, read some, you know, all that. And we just didn't have to feel like we had to worry about what's, are they going to call us with any bad news or what's going to happen next. We kind of mm-hmm. knew what was going on, and we felt much more comfortable. So not only was it just good communications, but it actually helped those of us in the waiting room really kind of manage that, that waiting period so much better. We even talk about uh, the importance of reducing patient anxiety. Yeah. And one of the ways to do that is to first realize that a lot of anxiety comes from fear of the unknown and lack of control. And if you can make the unknown a little bit known, you know, you, you tell the patient or the family what's going to happen next and exactly when it's going to happen, that knowledge actually helps to reduce some of that anxiety. So I'm glad that you, you weren't as probably... Uh, on pins and needles uh, as anxious as you might have been otherwise. Absolutely. So anyway, yeah. uh, thanks for letting me squeeze in two stories there. So, oh, that's a great story. We yeah. Well, a lot, of good, a lot of good examples, a lot of good takeaways we've got from these stories. I mean, and I know we, we like telling stories during our episodes. We always try to close out our shows with one story. And here you have seven of them to kind of pick and choose from of things we've experienced recently. 
I think the reason we see the value in these stories, Ed, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it's just sometimes in the world of customer service and providing really good customer service to people, sometimes it takes us hearing people who are doing it right or maybe people who aren't doing it as well to kind of see how it relates to our own personal situation or own company situation. I think stories mm-hmm. are just a great way to get that information. So uh, hopefully those of you listening uh, got something out of one of these seven stories or or maybe got an idea of what not to do <laughs> in your organization and something you may want to spend some time over the holidays reviewing and making sure is not happening at your at your company or a place of business. So Yeah, well, those are great points, Alan. And, and oftentimes you can make uh, a, a certain suggestion or recommendation about a technique or tip or skill, but actually seeing it in play in a real-life story makes you realize what the impact is of that and how it's actually delivered. And and hopefully those seven stories are going to give people a flavor for that. These are the skills we talk about all the time. These are the techniques. These are the methods of communicating or dealing with issues. Uh, and then this, these are seven specific examples of how to do or how, how not to do those particular techniques, how not to use or how to use those particular customer service skills. Perfect. Very yes. nice. Great. Well, Ed, thanks so much. And, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everything else coming up over the next few weeks. And we're not going to be recording a new episode until January. So it'll be a whole new year when we get back together. Ed Gagnon, you can learn more about him and his company at Customer Service Solutions. That's CSSAmerica.com is the website. He's got blog posts. He's got newsletter you can sign up for, uh, a listing of some of the services they provide, some of the consulting work they do. Uh, just a great, great array of services you guys offer there at CSS. And uh, just encourage anybody who's looking to elevate their level of customer service culture, uh, maybe training of staff on better practices for customer service, uh, definitely check out uh, CSSAmerica.com and see what they can do for you. And then uh, my name's Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, conducting employee, customer, patient satisfaction surveys for organizations across the United States. You can learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com. That's T-H-E, Jackson Group, all one word, dot com. And then, of course, you're listening to The Mesh. So you can visit the website at themesh.tv, see all the other shows we have going on, or go back in time and listen to some old episodes of Stepping Up Service. So, Ed, uh, I hope you have a great holiday season. Thanks. You too, Alan. Have a great time. And uh, we'll talk to everybody in January. So uh, take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.